You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. Welcome to the Fantasy Wildcard. I'll be your host, Ali. You can follow me on Twitter at FFDynastyGrill. And tonight we've got a jam-packed show. We've got a really special guest coming on. But I'll introduce him a little later. I'll bring in my co-host first. So we'll start with you, Matt. You can follow at MattFFDynasty. How are you doing, Matt? Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks, Ali. Uh, a little bit better than I was. I had my second uh, COVID vaccine on, on Saturday and let's just say it absolutely wiped me out. I felt like I'd been trucked by Derek Henry. So been in bed for the last couple of days, but feeling a bit better now. And, and I couldn't afford to miss this show. Obviously, we've got a, a great guest coming on and, and I wanted to make sure I was here and 100% for it. So yeah, looking forward to the show. We'll try and pick you up, Matt. We'll try and pick you up. Oh, I'm sure uh, you will. <laughs> and I'll bring in my other amazing co-host. That will be Kim. amazing. I didn't get an amazing. That's <laughs> it. Have it. Oh, you can follow <laughs> at Dynasty underscore Goat. How you doing, Kev? Yeah, I'm loving that. I don't need picking up like Matt, but I'll take <sighs> that as a as a start for sure. Um, yeah, loving loving life. Preseason's back in it. It was cracking weekend. To see some action. So uh, yeah, got me in the mood for the NFL now, and we've got a cracking yesterday. So um, looking forward to keeping that momentum up. We have. And with that, we'll bring him on. So on today's show, we welcome on the UK's leading best ball analyst, the king of the team stack charts and the mastermind behind NFLBestBall.co.uk. He's also a known Trey Lance truther. So big love from me. And he's a big time (laughs) Ravens fan. So we give a warm wildcard welcome to Tom Strachan, who you can follow on Twitter at BestBallUKNFL. How are you doing, Tom? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me. You know, I'm a big fan of the show, so it's nice to come on and chat with you guys about all things Dynasty and best ball. Yeah, we, we can't wait to have you on and just talk about a different format that um, that's really sweeping the nation and something that I'm definitely interested in in getting uh, getting to grips with. So, <clears throat> so on today's show, we'll be giving you an overview of an increasingly popular format, the Dynasty best ball. Plus, we'll be getting Tom to highlight players he's looking to buy and sell in this format. So, before we get into the players, Tom, can you tell the audience the basics of best ball and how dynasty best ball differs from a regular dynasty league? Yeah, so I think best ball's kind of really picked up a lot of focus this year. It seems to have really jumped a lot in popularity from last year where there was very few fantasy formats that catered to it. But what best ball does is it takes out all the in-season management. It's really like the anti-dynasty format. And so as soon as you finish drafting, that's it. You can kick back and relax and wait until the end of the season. And each week, the best possible lineup will be automatically set for you by system. So it does tend to leave you in situations where if you have several injuries, you're going to be in a big problem. But the way you're looking at it is to try and build a good squad that can cope through that. And in Dynasty in particular, it's such a young format. There's not really been an awful lot of Dynasty best ball leagues run by the big sites until Sleeper brought about best ball scoring this year. And I think at the minute it's trying to find that right balance of giving a bit of in-season management to your team building without needing to be constantly checking in. And so obviously you don't need to set rosters on a Sunday evening, which is something that can be a nightmare for a lot of us when you've got a lot of fantasy teams. And the Best Ball Dynasty League that I'm in with Kev and 
Kevin Matt, sorry. Um, it's instead of uh, instead of waivers every week, you only have waivers once every four weeks. So you can kick back a little bit in between, and then you can really start to target players when those waivers do open up. Trades are allowed all off season and during the season. During the off season, we expand to bigger rosters, but then just before the season, we're all about to cut down by about six players which will make the next run of waivers interesting as well. And I think it's really, it's going to take a couple of years for people to really find the best way to run dynasty best ball leagues. But I think it's something that's going to become more and more popular because people in the dynasty community love to bang on about those late round flyers who they believe has all the talent that can come in. I mean, you know, I know Matt was big on James Prochet last year and if he could get one or two serviceable <laughs> weeks a year out of James Prochet then it just makes you feel happy but you don't have any of the stress of being like I need to start this guy I need to start him instead strolls into your lineup and all of a sudden you're the clever guy yeah well, I, am, I am the clever guy Tom you're right <laughs> <laughs> I'm not having that <laughs> and honestly just thinking about my 20 dynasty leagues sunday mornings are an absolute nightmare so i need to get involved with these dynasty best balls i tell you um i think it's so definitely i think it's definitely yeah. going to be something that picks up popularity because of that mm. and it's like you know you can have your two or three dynasty leagues then adding a few more ones where you can be a little more hands-off is going to appeal to people more as time goes on yeah certainly um so now we're going to get Tom to highlight the players that he's looking to to target in this Dynasty Best Ball format. So we'll start at the quarterback position. And who's your selection, Tom? Okay, so it's my boy Trey Lance here, definitely. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I say that sitting here in my brand new Trey Lance jersey. <laughs> and... I mean, I didn't want to bring up too many rookies because, you know, by this point in the offseason, you guys have covered them so well. And I don't think too many people are selling him right now. I think most people who have him on the rosters, like I do in a lot of places, you don't want to give him up unless, you know, you've soured on him for any reason. But I think his value is only really going to rocket once he actually starts playing games. So if you're trying to trade for him, now's the time to do it while there's ambiguity about his start date. There's some people out there who think he won't start a game this season. And, I mean, I just can't see that. For me, it's it's lunacy. Teams don't give up that many first-round picks to go and get somebody to sit on the bench. Teams don't give up that many first-round picks to if they believe their current quarterback can win them a Super Bowl. You know, and everyone likes to cite Patrick Mahomes when he came into the league and how he sat behind Alex Smith. But... Jimmy G isn't Alex Smith, and Alex Smith, the year that Patrick Mahomes sat behind him, had the best season of his career, putting up career highs in yards, touchdowns, and yards per attempt. So you get a lot of that with Trey Lance, as well as a lot of talk about how he only had one season at college, and then obviously COVID hit, and he only played one glorified game last year. But I just don't understand what people seem to think he's going to benefit from learning on the bench. It's there's never a good reply to that that convinces me, oh, yeah, sit him down and he'll learn. I, he had a fantastic college career for him for 28 touchdowns and no interceptions. And, yes, he wasn't exactly facing elite competition, but it shows good decision-making. There's so much – the argument where people come up with Trey Lance needs to sit, 
these are the same kind of people who are telling you Justin Herbert needed to sit before going and winning offensive rookie of the year. I mean, the same type of people who go out and draft running back handcuffs. It's just, it's a safety <laughs> mindset, which I just would not bring to best ball. And, you know, I'll carry on ranting for a little while longer. <laughs> but John Paulson of four for four football, he did a great study where he took 42 quarterbacks who were taken inside the top 15 picks since the year 2000. And he found that 57% of those rookies started 12 games or more. And the average first start was 3.6 weeks into the season. For me, if Trey Lance actually gets onto the field by week four, then he's going to be very close to the top 12 QBs by the end of the season. And he'll definitely be right up there in points per game. Like, this is a guy with an absolute cannon of an arm so much talent and now he's going to be tied to one of the best head coaches and most creative head coaches in the nfl the times the window's going to shut on your chances to buy trey lance and now i'd be going out and anyone who's wavering a little bit anyone who feels like they might just need a quarterback who's going to start from week one i'd be throwing offers away and just asking what will it take to get it done no complaints from me with this one, Tom. Uh, it was my rookie QB2. I know Ali had him as QB2, Kevin as QB3. And yeah, we all love him, I think, for Dynasty, but even more so for Dynasty best ball. Um, like you mentioned, once he becomes the starter, you're going to guarantee you're going to get those occasional boom weeks uh, just with the rushing ability as a loan. Um, you just mentioned about his, his college stats. He had 1,325 rushing yards and 18 touchdowns in, in just 19 games with North Dakota. So... We know he can, he can put the numbers up on the ground, but then, like you mentioned, he's got that cannon for an arm as well. Um, I don't want to overreact too much to what we've seen at the preseason, but we've all seen that 80-yard touchdown that he threw to, to Trent Sherfield. I think about 50 yards of that went through the air, and it literally just flicked his wrist in it, and it just went out like a, an absolute cannon. So, yeah, it's, it's really exciting when you talk about Lance. You mentioned the fact he's, he's tied to Shanahan and, and that offence. That, that just adds the excitement. There's going to be plenty of design run for Lance. I think I saw today that he's, he's had four plays, I believe, with the starters and all four were design runs. So it's clearly something that they're, they're going to utilise Lance for. And, and for fantasy, that's just that's just exciting. There's the weapons as well that he has. They're all guys that can add yards after the catch, like Ayuk and, and Samuel. So, yeah, extremely excited about Lance, just like you are, Tom. Fully agree that now is also the time to buy. Even if you think the price is too high at the minute, I've no doubt that once he becomes a star, that price is just going to take another jump forward as well. So, yeah, the, the ceiling's absolutely sky high, and I think is the epitome really of a, a an ideal best ball best ball weapon to have. Yeah, it's a cracking start this time. I mean, if we're thinking about dynasty, first of all, you want in long term production and security, and best ball, it's all about weekly ceiling. So. In my eyes, Lance is a perfect selection as uh, Dynasty Best Ball QB. Um, like Matt said, he's, he's my QB 11 in Dynasty, um, outstanding rushing QB with elite speed, and he's that dual threat which lifts both the floor and the ceiling for fantasy. I think that Lance he starts no later than week seven. Uh, the 49ers have the buy in week six. Um, in Dynasty, I'm not too worried, though. When he starts, it's all about that two- to three-year plan. Um, and you are correct that right now you need to be trading for him to get the best price. Uh, the cheapest you could have got Trey Lance was in your rookie drafts where sometimes it was falling to the 105. But I think paying a price now of two firsts, it is fair price for someone with this much uh, potential reward despite the potential risk as well. But um, I, I think it's great. You made a great point about pairing Trey Lance with Shanahan as well. Very confident in that partnership for the next four to five years. It's an awesome situation for play calling and the scheme. 
Um, think about Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, actually, where it's a run every scheme, it's play action, uh, play action, it's efficient. Um, they're not totally the same player, but um, they're going to cater that situation, that scheme to maximise Trey Lancer's ability. Um, I'm a little bit higher on Justin Fields and Trey Lancer. I wonder if Justin Fields went to San Fran, if he would be above Trey Lance in um, certain people's rankings, not looking at anyone, Matt and Ali. Um, <laughs> but uh, regardless, I think both both Lance and Fields are both coin flips in fantasy. They're both going to be fantastic. Um, like I said at the start, Lance is a great fit as a dynasty best ball QB. Uh, and also you boys know that I like a little gamble. Um, I've had a small amount of money on Lance for rookie of the year, but if I was 100% that he does start all 17 games... I think he'd have an outside chance of being the MVP <clears throat> as early as his rookie season. Love it. Wow, that's spicy. But <laughs> can, I, can I just say, Tom, can you can you come on every week and we just talk about Trey Lance? Is that all right? <laughs> I'm down with it. We'll just turn it into the Trey Lance show. <laughs> I love it. You, you know how much I love this pick. Massive Trey Lance fan here. He's a rookie QB too, but honestly... I think he's going to soon be overtaking Trevor Lawrence, even if he's not starting games early in the season. Um, I think I'm reaching a point where I'm honestly going to be as bad as Matt is with Michael Carr. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, the pick is spot on. Um, my personal opinion is that he's going to be a top six dynasty quarterback in 2022. Um, once he breaks into the starting lineup, so there's honestly no stopping him. Uh, the ascent is going to be flying up the dynasty rankings. So Talk about a guy with unlimited potential, that Konami code quarterback that we all look for. The big arm, the touchdown bomb the other night. The rest of it wasn't that great, uh, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> add, in, add in the best defensive mind in the NFL and Kyle Shanahan on a team that's built for success right now. So I'm honestly so excited for Lance's future. I don't know if you can tell that. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm glad I've got my shares already like you, Tom. Um, I think, as you mentioned, if you can buy him now, you have to buy him now because his price is only going to go up. So, um, so yeah, so it's a massive, massive smash pick for me. Um, so I'm just going to throw a quick, a quick question back to you, Tom. What do you think Lance's ceiling in dynasty can, can be in dynasty formats? Do you think he can join the top tier of quarterbacks such as Mahomes and Kyler Murray, etc.? I think this this time next year that that won't be a question at all. I think. When we get to the off-season next year, he'll be in that top six. I think you'll see people sliding him in ahead of people like... I wouldn't even be surprised if you get people putting him ahead of Lamar Jackson because everyone seems to hate on him. Or if you find people sliding him ahead of Justin Herbert or Russell Wilson's. And I think it'll take an outstanding season for him to get up quite as high as Mahomes. But I would say, without a doubt, he'll be close to that top five or six next year in startups. Yeah. And do you know what I like as well? I like the fact, Tom, that you've put your money where your mouth is in our uh, wild card league, which yeah. it, it, it gives bonus points for big plays <laughs> and explosive plays. You took Trey Lance in round one, which some people might have thought was a little bit early, but if you're playing that one game, he's got that potential to be an absolute star. I think I'm currently projected to uh, beat you and Matt in week one. <laughs> what? <laughs> I suppose we didn't take Michael Carter, Kev. I told you. <laughs> we might have, might, have, might have to take uh, Barkley out of PUP, I think. <laughs> oh, I love it. Right, we'll move on to your running back selection, Tom. So who's your pick here? Yeah, well, like most of you guys, I'm pretty high on the Chargers this season, so it's an easy one in Austin Eckler for me. I mean, I've got 
no real faith in the Chargers being able to get through a season without messing up on special teams and doing things that only the Chargers can. But this team looks so well set up for a real offensive explosion this year. They've improved their offensive line at three spots out of the five, which could be huge for the running game. I know that people like to talk about how Austin Eckler's never had like a huge rushing year, but how much of that has been down to having a poor offensive line. The Chargers, they're in a good spot with salary, and even though they've got potential out next year, that's not something that's worrying me for Dynasty. I think that you, if you've got Austin Eckler in your Dynasty, you're probably set for a good couple of years before you'll start really feeling the heat. There isn't anyone I consider a problem in the backfield in the way of challenging him. And when I go into a draft looking for a player whose potential ceiling is VRB1, Austin Eckler fits that bill. He might not have the rushing ability of someone like CMC or Dalvin Cook, but his pass catching is as good as any back in the league. You know, Brandon Staley's come in as the new head coach and he's coming from the Rams and as a first time head coach, he's purely from a defensive background. I wouldn't be surprised to see him lean on offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi a lot, who's come over from the Saints. And when he joined, there was a lot of quotes which are widely circulated where he talked about how Eckler had a similar skill set to Kamara. And it was exciting to know that he was there. I think, you know, at 26 years old, he's not quite at that age where the dynasty community is starting to get a bit twitchy about him being a running back. And for me, he's so reliable in the passing game that in PPR, I want him in all formats I can get him. Yeah, like Lance, Dynasty Best Ball, it's all about ceiling. And at running back, you're looking for pass catching upside to achieve that. And Eckler certainly fits the bill. He had 6.8 targets per game in 2019, 6.5 targets per game in 2020. So with that usage, he's going to be getting 90 catches. Uh, he's a guaranteed RB1, assuming health on that basis. And my only real concern is about the, the new regime, the usage that he'll get. As I've stated previously, I'm not a big Joe Lombardi fan. <laughs> Um, you'd assume that Eckler is used correctly. Um, I don't want him getting 15 rushes a game, though. I think I'd be more comfortable with them signing a veteran like Adrian Peterson to sort of do the hard grafting. Um, there's been concerns about Eckler not scoring a ton of touchdowns in this season where he, where he had that big breakout. He, he got like nine receiving touchdowns. But, yeah, I mean, touchdowns are a bonus for the type of game that he's got. I, I, that's not something that worries me personally. Um I mean, Eckler for me is a target in, in Dynasty and Dynasty Best Ball. It's a, Dynasty Best Ball, it's a, a format where you can take more risks because your lineup is optimised. So if Austin Eckler gets injured in a normal Dynasty League, you've got to pick from your bench which running back is going to fill in. And obviously, if you've got um, a load of handcuffs and potential um, timeshare guys, you might pick the wrong one, but Dynasty Best Ball, it, it optimises your lineup, so there's less worry about actually which one of you guys you put in, you're going to get the best one anyway. Um, and, and you made a great point, Tom, I think Eckler's one of the few running backs in the league that is genuine overall running back one season in his range of outcomes with this passing upside. Um, he is 26 years old, but I play on two-year windows, and I'm confident that he can be a running back one over the next two years, so Another great pick, Tom. A little pushback from me. Cracking start. <laughs> yeah, I was looking for our dynasty rankings earlier. I was actually surprised to see that I was on the highest on Eckler in our rankings. I'm also a little sad that I've not really got him in many places. I've tried to sign him this off season, and the price has just been a little bit too high right now. Um, 
but it's it's another great pick, especially for PPR leagues. He's an absolute machine in PPR formats. And like I say, best feels about Sealand plays and Eckler is exactly that. With 2019 was an absolutely beautiful year for him. He finishes the RB4. Um, even better, his ADP that year was the RB38. So anyone picking him up was rather happy. Uh, I certainly agree with Kev, the fact that I'd happy I'd be happy seeing them sign a veteran to be the the run between the tackles guy. I don't want to see Eckler with the the Russian workload, mainly for injury concern, but also I don't think that's maximising his potential in the offence. Um, and the offence as a whole really excite, excites me going forward. You've got Herbert coming into year two, the upgraded O-line. Um, so I think Eckler is a locked-in top 10 running back if he stays healthy. Uh, and that ADP of RB13, I think there's value there. So two out of two, great selection so far. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've mentioned it a few times, Tom, just how, how excited I am for Eckler this season. Um, you just mentioned about Joe Lombardi saying that he's got a similar skill set to what Kamara does, and I definitely think he's an Alvin Kamara light. Um, I did a thread recently on Twitter um, just highlighting some of the metrics, and they are pretty similar to what Kamara has. You just look at the age, the, the similarities in the workout metrics, the career yards per carry and the career yards per reception. They're all pretty much neck and neck. The only thing that Eckler does lack is the number of touchdowns, like I've just mentioned. He has 25 compared to Kamara's 50, um, 58. So that's the, the clear big difference between the two. Um, but but getting back to Eckler, I think the situation is in. I think it's great. Um, obviously, the, upline to the, o, up, the upgrade to the O-line, the fact that he's tied to Herbert, very little competition in the backfield. And like we mentioned, it is great for best ball. You know he's going to have those boom weeks, but he's also pretty safe. Um, he's got a safe floor with the, the receiving work that he gets as well. Um, so I definitely agree that he should be an RB1 if he stays healthy this year. And, and he does have that potential upside to be the actual RB1 if everything falls right for him. Um, so my question back to you, Tom, would be, um, with the potential injury risk, if, if he does get the, the larger workload, is that something that maybe make you think twice about taking him as your you will be one to start up. No, to be honest, um, I I've really I'm not a doctor and I don't try to predict injuries. <laughs> <laughs> and it always makes yeah. me laugh how much some people put stock into injuries. So you know, like I'll draft guys like Will Fuller and I'll draft after, you know anyone who has an injury tends to have history tends to have that baked into their ADP, and I'm happy mm-hmm. to take that that risk because my way of drafting is not thinking negatively it's saying if the positive outcomes happen here this is what i'm going to have and i think even even if somebody comes into that offense like say latavius murray gets cut from the saints and teams up with joe lombardi again well we've seen that formula work with kamara and uh, latavius murray so why couldn't it work for eckler and latavius murray or somebody similar in the, the charges yeah, yeah, definitely. Like Kev said, I think that's probably the ideal situation, really, isn't it? I don't mm-hmm. think you want Eckler running between the tackles, do you? You want to get him out in space and use that speed that he's got. So, yeah, I'm kind of hoping he does get somebody like like Murray. That's a, a great shout, Tom. It's all downhill from here, though. <laughs> I was going to say, you can tell, tell that best ball's made for Tom. You see how balls to the wall he is. He just he just shoots for the upside all the time. So yeah, love it. But I mean, I mean, there's just no point playing these games and thinking of the negative outcomes. It's like you know, you've got to think of the positive outcomes. And yeah. I'm not interested in playing floor plays. I want those ceiling <laughs> plays. And you go into it saying I'm right, and this is why I'm right. And when I'm right, I'm going to win. 
Love it. You're getting off him for coming second here, Tom. It's all going a bit too well, so should we throw in a more controversial pick? Yes. So, Tom, who's your, who's your wide receiver pick? It's uh, Marquez Valdez-Scanling. Ooh. <laughs> just uh, give everyone a moment to tune out. But <laughs> I, It's the epitome of a player who gets stuck with that label of better in best ball and you know, that's probably quite fair, really. I mean, last season, he had five games with over 17 PPR points. And he also had eight games under six PPR points. So the differences are quite drastic at times. And Hayden Wings, Hayden Winks of Underdog created this metric, something called Better in Best Ball. And MVS was the headliner of the piece he wrote there. What it highlighted was that although... MVS and Hunter Renfro both scored very similarly in total fantasy points last season. Renfro had this low weekly floor with catches that don't really matter to fantasy. They're all near the line of scrimmage. They're not very interesting. Whereas MVS is getting as these big spike weeks with big scores. And in best ball, that's something that we're looking to take advantage of. He's entering the last year's contract and there's no word yet on whether they're looking to extend him. I mean, so much of what goes on in Green Bay at the minute is around Aaron Rodgers and where they see the future going after that. But I wouldn't be surprised if they do come to an agreement with him. I don't think he'd be a particularly expensive player. And I think Green Bay have worked out the best way to get, you know, best out of him. So I'm kind of trying to keep my eye on whether uh, Jordan Love and him build a rapport or anything like that. But he's such a good deep threat with it you know, average yards per attempt of 11, which is just huge, really. And beat reporters around Green Bay are saying that he spent a lot of time over the offseason working on his hands and he looks set to become the clear wide receiver two on that offense. Last season, he finished the year with the second most targets on the team and the Packers play so many snaps where we've got at least three wide receivers out there. He's going to have opportunities. He's got Aaron Rodgers' trust, which matters so much. And you'll hear people talk about how his drops kill them in fantasy. But we're not out here killing Deontay Johnson for his drops, so perhaps we should be giving leeway to MVS. He's so cheap in Dynasty at the minute. I mean, you can go out and buy him for a third rounder. And, you know, who doesn't mind parting with a third rounder? It's absolutely nothing. If you're talking about redraft best ball ADP, it's around round 15 on underdog. He starts the season with a great set schedule, avoiding any tough defences till week six when then he's got Chicago and Washington back-to-back. I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, a league winner for you in normal dynasty formats, and I'm not saying he can be consistent, although it'd be nice if he was. But we shouldn't be afraid of rostering him, and especially in best ball scoring ways so cheap. And even in regular dynasty leagues, I think you'd be able to turn a third into a second-round pick this year if you take NBS. Oh, it's all going so well, Tom, with the two <laughs> the two fantastic picks. Uh, no, I'm only joking. I, I honestly can see can see your logic here. You made some really good points. Um, he's certainly an inconsistent player at best, but then in best ball, he's exactly that boom-bust player that you can take late on in drafts. Um, whoever's the wide receiver two on this offence in any given week should be productive. Uh, it's just working out who it's going to be. So in redraft and dynasty, it's so difficult, but obviously the beauty of best ball, You'd have to figure it out and set your lineup. Um, so, I, thinking of this season, I do think Aaron Rodgers plays absolutely pissed, chip on his shoulder. I think he's, I think he's in for a really top finish. Um, but then, can we really expect 
48 pa- uh, passing touchdowns again. Probably not. Um, and then looking past the season, it's uh, it's really uncertain for a lot of these players in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers probably probably moving on. Um, so I'm trying to actually trying to get off these a lot of these players a year early, um, to be honest. Uh, but I'm happy to stash MVS just because of how cheap he is, as you mentioned. Um, so for me, it's it's not an exciting selection, but at his cost, I think he's certainly going to have a few of them booming touchdowns that can help contribute to to winning weeks. Yeah, I definitely weren't expecting like someone like MVS, Tom. Um, but I can, I can see your point of view with it in regards to best ball. Like you mentioned, he had those five 17-plus point games last season. Um, you mentioned that the average yards per attempt, the average yards per reception was over 20 yards as well. So like you mentioned, it's, we know he's a big play waiting to happen. It's just when those big plays happen. But in best ball, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for those big boom weeks. Um in, in redraft best ball, I can I can get on board with it. It's the it's the long term situation for me that that raises concern. Obviously, Rogers, we don't really know what what his future holds. Um, MVS is also an unrestricted free agent after after this season, so we also don't know his his situation moving forwards. But yeah, I mean, if he's on waivers, I'm I'm happy to grab him and, and stash him. But it's probably personally not somebody I'm actively going out and looking to acquire in dynasty. But yeah, in 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 later rounds in your redraft best ball, I think he's he's a great late round target for 2021. Yeah, really interesting selection. MVS, it was a curveball after those two solid <laughs> and popular picks with the Wild Cowboys to begin. Um, I do think it's an appealing guy in best ball leagues in your your redraft best ball leagues, but I'm not totally in for dynasty best ball. Um, I do expect the Green Bay pass game to regress in 2021. And I spoke about Aaron Rodgers on the last show that. Um, his, uh, his last season was an outlier by his standards on the past couple. Um, I expect all numbers to drop for the wide receivers and tight ends on Green Bay. Um, I think it's great that MBS is tied to Aaron Rodgers, but you do wonder for how long. Um, obviously, Rodgers, he's been clashing heads with the front office. MBS um, is a free agent after this season. Um, I think being tied to him, it has helped a ton, but I do think that if MBS does move away from Aaron Rodgers... He's potentially out of the league. I think with him being age 27 season, a late fifth rounder in 2018, and there are some concerns there if he does leave Green Bay or if he leaves Aaron Rodgers. Uh, plus, they've added my Rodgers in the draft as a long-term piece. So I think there's just a couple of too many flags for me to feel good in Dynasty best ball for MVS. Um, I spoke about Aaron Rodgers and the, uh, the well-known art of stacking is huge in seasonal best ball. But I just want to know, with that in mind, Tom, would you be approaching stacking in Dynasty best ball any different with the idea that QBs and wide receivers can change teams and therefore stacks can be broken? Well, be- before I get to that, I'm just going to go back and just mention this is this is the quarterback who we just saw insisted on Randall Cobb be traded for. So <laughs> if Aaron Rodgers likes MBS and they're both on the move next offseason... Hey, might look, could, might hook up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Stranger things could happen with Aaron Rodgers involved. But yeah, in, in Dynasty, when it comes to stacking, I mean, you know, you guys know how much of a massive proponent of stacking I am. I think it's really taken on this year. And I think there's a lot of people who still haven't quite understood what a good stack is and what a bad stack is. And in Dynasty, the last thing I'd want to do is overstack a team. Whereas in best ball, you know, you can get away with at times stacking three receivers with your quarterback and it can work out and pay off. In Dynasty, the kind of stacks that I like are things like Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb, getting those two 
players who've got a lot of time left on contracts and are in a safe offense. And then the late round dart throws. So again, somebody like Marquez Velda Scantling, where if you've got Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers and you can go out and acquire Marquez Velda Scantling for a third or something similar, and it's just going to boost the value through the year on your stack. That's that's where I'm at, really. But yeah, it's either those real elite options at the passing game or the very cheap ones. I'm not really targeting typical wide receiver twos and threes as a stack in Dynasty. Like it. Yeah, and we, we certainly love our stacks here on the wild card. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, We'll move on to the tight end position. Um, let's see if we can uh, get back on uh, back on track with this one. <laughs> who's who's your pick, Tom? It's uh, Evan Ingram. So I mean, nobody wants Evan Ingram right now. It seems like everyone, you know, after he burst onto the scene, everyone's just soured on him completely. And you can see him go as the tight end seventeen in best ball redraft at the minute, and sometimes he slips past that, which. For a player with his ceiling, does seem a little bit too far. I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't believe he belonged in the Pro Bowl last year, and I don't think many people <laughs> convinced that he did. I, it's it's a tricky situation with him because he is out of contract at the end of the season, but I'm not sure that his situation can get any worse. So it's more of a long-term play, but you can either see it playing out where the Giants don't extend him because they've got money tied up in Kenny Golladay. They need to make a decision on Danny Dimes and Saquon Barkley. But it's, So it's entirely possible he could be playing elsewhere on a better offense. Or it's entirely possible that this offense takes a step forward. Jason Garrett gets sacked. Danny Dimes gets moved on. And things are much rosier in New York. <laughs> He's only 26 years old, which, you know, for tight ends, we see time and time again that they really hit this point after a few years in the league where then they start to get a bit more comfortable and they can break out. So it doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility that we can get a bit of a resurgence now, but they've got some extra weapons there like superstar Kenny G. <laughs> yes. Oh, <no>. yes. Oh. <laughs> oh, dear. Love it. And his price is just so cheap. And at the minute, particularly in the best ball dynasty, but also in regular I'd be happy taking him and just stashing him away, paying, you know, slightly more than a third rounder or so and just seeing whether if it doesn't happen this offseason, maybe it's a case of sitting out and waiting until he hits free agency and then somebody swoops in and is ready to believe in it in that time. Yeah, I'll be honest, I'm not sure I can carry on with the emotional roller coaster that is owning Evan Ingram in Dynasty. I mean, Tom, you know I'm a Giants fan, but God, it's it's been a painful one this last this last year or so. Absolutely loved him last off season with the opportunity that that he had. He managed to say stay healthy for a full season, which is the first time since his rookie season. He had the fourth most targets amongst tight ends in the NFL, yet still only managed to finish tight end 16 last season. So absolutely killed me in a lot of my leagues. Um, the only thing that draws me back in is, like you mentioned, that the price to acquire, acquire him right now is, is dirt cheap. He's one of, the, one of the most athletic tight ends in the NFL, so he's definitely capable of having those, those big weeks. 
Um, we've seen the potential that it has in that insane rookie season, like you mentioned, finishing as a tight M4. Done it alongside a, a superstar wide receiver in Eldell Beckham Jr. So why can't I do it again alongside superstar wide receiver Kenny Golladay? I mean, it, it, it can definitely happen. So is, is somebody is somebody that can gain value early, like you mentioned, given the, the state of the, the tight end landscape. He's just got to put in a few a few solid performance and we can see that, that value take a, a jump again. Yeah, I think Engram's one of the most interesting dynasty tight ends right now. Um, we look back, what an outstanding rookie season he had. It was top five tight end, which is amazing when you think about it, just to give some context on that. Uh, Travis Kelsey, tight end nine. George Kittle, tight end 19. Darren Waller, tight end 99. Uh, <laughs> Hawkinson, tight end 31. And the guy that I slammed last week, uh, Baltimore, tight end, Mark Andrews, tight end 10. Um, I think with Engram, obviously, he's already broken out. He's um, he's had a, he's been real unfortunate actually with injuries and the situation, but he's been on pace for at least ninety targets in every season. Um, he has had the two injury hit seasons, like I mentioned, but that is the nature of the tight end position. And um, I think the community is a little bit sour on that recency bias of the tight end sixteen finish last season, but. Let's just bear in mind the Giants and Daniel Drones were trash in 2020. They only scored 12 touchdowns, 12 passing touchdowns on the year. And Engram only got one of these. Um, he, he's never been a prolific touchdown scorer, but let's just change the history books and say he got five touchdowns last season. He'd have jumped from the tight end 16 to tight end seven, which um, that would definitely change people's minds in that recency bias. Um, I do have some short-term worries, though. Uh, you mentioned Daniel Jones, Jason Garrett. Um, the O-line, as well as a big concern, uh, plus of added £72 million pound wide receiver. Um, <laughs> that a, that a, I'm not going to say, say it. I'm not going to say it. Most fun had a first-round wide receiver in Kadarius Tony, but in Dynasty, I'm more hopeful of uh, Evan Engram bounce back than anything. I do think he needs to move, though, to fulfil that promise, but we have seen that tight end uh, five ceiling before, so why not gain? Um, the lack of touchdowns do hurt. It does make him more situation volatile when he does move, but I think if you can get every third round uh, draft pick or even a little bit on top of that, I think it's a steal. Yeah, I'm so, I'm back on board with this pick, Tom. Uh, I'm in, in on Evan Ingram for this season. Uh, last season, he's been drafted as the tight end five in redraft, so... Big yikes to anyone who took him there. Um, his ADP is is back to an appealing level for me now, though. Um, obviously, a big letdown after his stellar rookie campaign finishes of the tight end 13, 18 and 16, which is pretty horrible. Uh, last season was a massive mystery. We had all them targets, 109, 63 receptions, but just 654 yards and a single touchdown. So he was fifth in targets per game, but only 12th in reception yards per game. Uh, but obviously, Daniel Jones was horrific in 2020. Uh, many are now expecting a bounce back. Um, I actually think that Evan Ingram could be the leading receiver on this team, though, in 2021. Uh, and then looking longer term, I think I just hope that he gets away from New York. Uh, and as you mentioned, Tom is still only 26 years old. It does feel like he's uh, been around the league for ages. Um, so I think now is is the right time to buy him, especially if you can get him for less than a second. I'm definitely in on that. So I'll throw a question back to you, Tom. Um, what other sort of tight end do you like to pair with Engram on your roster? Would you like look to grab one of the, the early tight ends and then Engram later on? Or are you fine with Engram and then one or two more dart throws later on? I mean, tight end is 
as a community, we all just seem to be on the big group think of, you know, you just want that nice, secure first couple of tight ends. All, all the elite ones, including Mark Andrews, and then uh, <laughs> <laughs> or not as and then you know, get into the later ones. So there isn't particularly a, a set way that I would like to roster him. I've got him in two or three teams, and it's all a bit murky on most of those teams. I think the teams where I do have somebody really elite at the tight end position. I've then generally faded the backups because I don't like having too much equity in one area of my team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fair. I love it. Yeah, in agreement there. So we've had a look at his buys. Let's have a look at his sells. So we'll start at the quarterback position. Who's your dynasty best ball sell? It's uh, quarterback Baker Mayfield. I mean, as a Ravens fan, I mean, you know, I'll get accusations of bias thrown at me here. Never. <laughs> you know, I won't deny he had a good season last year and he's in a great situation. Yeah, you know, I mean, the Browns have come so far from being a laughing stock a few years ago. They've got a good coach, they've got a great offensive line, and they've got a solid defense. But I think the narrows are getting a bit carried away for me. I don't see how this team's going to the Super Bowl and yeah, you can call that bias all you like. <laughs> I, the main reasons for me that I'd be looking to sell him is I just don't ever see them becoming pass happy enough for Baker to crack the top 12. They've turned into a really good rushing team. They passed the ball the fourth least in the league last year. And their defense is so strong, I don't see them getting into many shootouts, which are going to boost their stats. Last year, he finishes quarterback 20. And that's not appealing for me, even in Superflex. I want two quarterbacks who will be finishing in that top 15 and whether it's like one who's finishing right at the top and one who's only just, for me, I want two top 15 quarterbacks no matter what. And I just don't see an avenue to it. In points per game last year, he finished 27th in the league, just point one ahead of Drew Locke and behind the likes of Philip Rivers and Carson Wentz. And that's no thanks. You get a lot of people who bring up the bad weather games that Cleveland played in during 2020, but unless Ohio has suddenly moved to a tropical island, I just <laughs> I wouldn't count it improving. <laughs> Adam Koffler pointed out on Twitter this week that from week six of this season, the Browns don't play a single game in a place we describe as a warm weather environment. So if he's your quarterback three in a super flex league, I'd be fine with that. But I think otherwise you've got to be looking to package him, trade someone for a high with a higher ceiling. He's just he's Kirk Cousins to me. And a lot of people are talking up Odell Beckham Jr. So if you can get on that hype and sell on the back of it, now's the time to do it. Yeah, I think it's it's amazing. Ravens fan fading a Browns QB. That made me <laughs> laugh when I saw this. But um, I might get a bit of pushback on this. But I think Baker Mayfield's got real-life MVP potential. And just to add context to that, I said it about <laughs> Trey Lance earlier. I think to be an MVP in, in real life, two things. You've got to be a QB and you've got to be on a team that wins a ton of games. I, I do think Cleveland have got that potential. It's going to be tricky in that division because it is an absolute bloodbath. But... I think if things fall fall the right way, they have the potential to win the division. Along with along with the Ravens, I think they're the, the two standouts for me in that division, just to try and get back in your good books there, Tom. <laughs> um, 
I think for, for Dynasty and Dynasty Best Ball, uh, I like Mayfield as a safe mid QB2 uh, in Dynasty, but in Best Ball, you need more upside. I think safety and floor is not going to win you any ships. Basically, Baker Mayfield's a Best Ball condom. He's giving you max protection. <laughs> he's someone that you, you're playing it safe with him, um, and he's exactly the type of QB you want to fade in Dynasty Best Ball. Um, I've actually no issue with him as a low ceiling QB3 on you. On your team, uh, most teams won't have a third QB to play full season. So, I personally rather get steady production, super flex from a QB three with plenty of solid usable weeks and some other dude that plays two games, and that's it. Um, yeah, Tropical Island, Ohio, that had me laughing as well. But I think um, I think there was some excuses. Um, the COVID game was really had at the end of the season. He could have had a better season if he had some wide receivers in that game. Um, I think it can be a low-end QB1 with efficiency, and you absolutely hit the nail on the head, the same spectrum as Kirk Cousins with that comparison. But long-term, I think the lack of rushing upside and the lack of pass volume, it does it does lead me to believe that it's correct to swerve him at his cost in Dynasty best ball. Um, it is a fine line, though. I think if you do go too deep or too low with your QB2, you end up taking a QB with less job security. Uh, someone like Jalen Hurts might be appealing, but after 21... Personally, I think he's in trouble. Um, but like you said, Tom, uh, I think trading off Baker, the best way is to go up on uh, Baker Mayfield and add pieces to him to get a, a top 15 QB, as you said. Best ball condom. That's, uh, <laughs> I do love that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he's exactly like Kev's described him. Um, it's really safe. <laughs> really safe quarterback too with... Just not massive upside for me. Um, and I'm not taking any safe floor players in best ball. That's just not my strategy. Uh, so these three finishes so far, it's got back 16, 18, then 18. That's just a bit dull, really, isn't it? Um, I want guys who I can draft as a quarterback two, but has potential to finish as a quarterback one. Last season, he only had five weeks where he finished inside the top 12. Um, and we know the Browns' offense, it runs through their running backs. And they've got a really good defence and I expect them to be really good again this season. Uh, and we talk about stacks. We love a good stack in best ball, but none of the stacks with Baker Mayfield is really that appealing to me. Um, I don't think it's got the rapport with with OBJ, so I'm just not in on, in on that. Um, and then it's not a huge rushing upside. Uh, I honestly can't see him leaping up to a quarterback one position this year. So... Uh, I think you're right to avoid him in best ball. Um, in dynasty formats, I'm fine with him just because of that job security. Um, he's a he's a safe quarterback too. But but yeah, I'm definitely avoiding in in best ball formats. Yeah, I agree with the selection, Tom. I agree with what the guy said about that he's, he's safe, but he's also got a, a low ceiling. And that's not really something you look for, is it, in best ball? Showed signs of improvement last, last season. He was the QB8 from weeks 12 to week 17. Um, also agree that, that having him as your QB3 in, in Dynasty Best Ball, that's probably the ideal situation. But given his current ADP, I just don't think you can achieve that in your in your startups. Um, like you mentioned, Tom, this is going to be a, a run-heavy offense. Um, we've got two of the, the best running backs in the league, the, the duo that they have in, in Chubb and Hunt. The only the big probe that you've got with Baker Mayfield is the fact that he's going to have that job security. I think the Browns sign him long term sooner rather than later. Uh, I don't think you get many quarterbacks around that ADP that have that level of security. But yeah, in, in regards to Dynasty Best Ball, is not somebody that that excites me. 
Um, so my question to you, Tom, is that I know that you'd like to probably package Baker up to, to get somebody like Trey Lance if you had Baker Mayfield on your on your teams. But is there is there any quarterbacks that are around his current ADP that you'd do for a straight swap for Baker Mayfield? I mean, if I can get to Ryan Tannehill, that's the that's the one around there. I mean, the startup ADP is really close. I mean, regular best ball, it's pretty similar as well. But yeah, and then. I mean, in regular best ball, if I've missed out on Ryan Tannehill, the next quarterback I'd be looking at is Trevor Lawrence before you get down to Baker Mayfield. And I think Tannehill, it's that last sort of, he's got some rushing upside. We know he likes getting into the end zone when they're down in the red zone. And yeah, I think, I don't think many Tannehill owners will be asking for a huge price. And I think you can make that kind of slight sideways move with relative ease. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I think I'd good... definitely take Tannehill over over Baker. Oh, definitely. Tannehill was a solid quarterback one last year with some big weeks, and especially with the addition of Julio this year. So, yeah. so I think that's a great pick. Um, so let's move on to another great pick. Uh, let's <laughs> talk about your runner back selection. Who are you picking? Well, I selected this guy. Last week, when we first started talking, even before uh, this weekend, but now it feels a bit too much of a layup, and it's Miles Gaskin. <laughs> <laughs> Since I first started looking at it, basically his own coaching staff seemed to have soured on him. <laughs> yeah, it's, for me, his draft cost is just too high versus what what his job security is, and. I've not enjoyed owning a Miami running back in years. So even the days of British hero J.J., it was still a bit of a nightmare with Kenyon Drake getting on the field too often. I'm a big believer that there's opportunity and ambiguity in backfields, but I'm just not sure that his value is ever going to be higher than it currently is. And there were times last year where he did dominate, came out of nowhere, but the backfield was a complete mess and he really was just the last man standing. I think Malcolm Brown's a really solid option behind him. And we saw in the first preseason game that it seems to suggest that the coaching staff view them as a two-headed attack. You know, Brown started and Gaskin played further into the game. And what really wants me makes me want to sell Gaskin as quick as possible, or at least, I mean, the opportunity might be gone now. He was going at an ADP in startup of 77, whilst Malcolm Brown was going at pick 261. And the disparity between those two, just it shouldn't be that large. And I'm sure it won't be for the next couple of weeks. But the assets you could gain by selling Gaskin, moving on to Brown, I'd do that any day. I mean, Miami fans might like to big up Gaskin now, and some of them have been doing so for weeks. But I remember back around the draft when they were all crying out for Najee Harris. So, yeah, get him out of there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gaskin is for me is one of the biggest sales this offseason in dynasty formats. Just looking at the Dolphins, they reportedly tried to trade back into round one to get Najee Harris in the draft. They obviously failed there. And then previously in March, they made a big push to sign Aaron Jones before he re-signed in Green Bay. Another failure. They even put in a claim for Kerry on Johnson for Christ's sake, and that failed as well as he ended up at the Eagles. So, well, he's just been cut by the Eagles, so maybe there we go. Then, so this is clearly a team that's not satisfied with their running back room. And why do you ask? Is well, because Miles Gaskin is simply not Najee Harris or Aaron Jones, he's just he's just okay, he's a safe runner back too for this season, but 
beyond that, who knows? He probably returns and he becomes a backup again. So we've also had Brian Flores come out and say, we're going to try and use all three of our backs, including Malcolm Brown, as you said, and Salvan Ahmed, who was fine last season. They're both going to be involved. So for me, now really is the time to sell up if you have him. I'm always talking about selling players at their peak value. And as you mentioned, Tom, I think right now is his peak value. So honestly, he's he's fine if you fade the runner back position in, in redraft leagues. But other than that, I'm just selling and avoiding him big time. Um, the selling a starting runner back is much easier than selling a backup running back. Yeah, I fully agree with this one in, in regards to a dynasty point of view. I think owners have, have managed to dodge plenty of bullets, like Ali just mentioned, this off-season uh, without Miami bringing in any any replacement at running back. Um, so now is the time to take advantage of that and, and cash in while the value is high, although, like Tom just mentioned, it's it's now starting to, to drop a little bit. Um, he's not the biggest running back. He's only £200, and we did see that he struggled with injuries when he was given that that heavy workload last last season. Um, you just mentioned Malcolm Brown as well. I think he's a solid, if, if unspectacular, running back. Um, I do think Gaskin is okay, like Ali mentioned, uh, in, in redraft. But in, in regards to, to dynasties, is a fade for me unless you're a win-now team. Um, Miami showed last season that they're, they're not afraid to give give one of the guys a, a heavy workload. Gaskin averaged um, 19 touches per game last season. Uh, used both in the, the rushing and the receiving game. Um, a lot of thought as well when they brought in Jordan Howard that he was going to be the goal line back and, and look how that worked out last year. So I just think that they, they do tend to to favour giving the, the running back. They, they, they tend to have a lead guy is what I'm, what I'm getting at. Um, but either way, he's, he's definitely a glaring selling dynasty. Um, a little bit like Mike Davis as well at Atlanta. I think he's he can be put in the, the same bracket as Gaskin. Um, if you are going to sell, the, the the thing I tend to do is try and sell mid-season. That's when fantasy managers are going to start craving these running backs. They're going to realise that no amount of running back def- depth is enough in, in fantasy. So if you can just hold and, and sell mid-season, if, if you're rebuilding, then do that. Or if you're, you're missing out on the playoffs. But yeah, definitely agree with this one, Tom. Yeah, I'm going to go against the grain here and uh, stick up for <laughs> Miles Gaskin. He always makes me think of Tiger King because of Carol Baskin, but um, <laughs> not, not sure why. But I, I mean, Gaskin, it was a great wave wire pickup last season. Uh, he ended up the running back 28 in 10 games, but really impressive running back 11 in fantasy points per game at 16.4. It's actually the same output as Austin Eckler in the same amount of games as well. And this is on a terrible fantasy offence in Miami. I think if we can give two a pass, surely we can assume Gaskin had a really solid season and expect a little bit more. I think existing leagues, I can see why he's not 100% sell. I think you're selling him at running back three value. You're probably getting a second rounder at best. Um, but you get you guys have pointed out some concerns, which I do agree with. I think there's been the various rooms this offseason. Uh, the one the one rumour that you guys missed was the one about Javante Williams being the target and he went the pick before the Dolphins <laughs> in the draft. Um, and then it was strange how Gaskin, he did nothing as a rookie and then he did break out. Like I said, Tom, it might be that he was the last man standing and maybe that, that factored in a little bit. But I think as well, 10 games is a relatively small sample size. Plus he's a former seventh round pick. So there is that battle that he's going to always have to prove to... to to get his job, I guess. Uh, we saw with James Robinson that <laughs> you can perform well and, and lose your job, but obviously that was a changing regime, which which factored in as well. I think Javante Williams would have been a killer for Gaskin, but 
no one's taking Gaskin's job now, in my opinion, for his specific role. I don't hate him as a one being an offence. Uh, looking at his comps as such, he's actually the same size as Austin Eckler, and he's going to be best used not as a workhorse, but as a pass catching back. And he was actually running back seven in pass targets per game. Uh, I do think, personally, the top 12 is in the range of outcomes in 2021 if everything falls his way. But I do agree that long term, He's not going to be the lead guy, but I do like his pass usage. I like the ceiling for best ball. I think he's most ideal to have as a running back three or four on a contending team. Um, and I guess that makes me the highest on Gaskin in us for. So I just want to know, Tom, if you're a contending team and you've got Gaskin, what can you realistically do to trade up from him? Uh, or is there a player that's going a little bit after him in ADP that can match his production this season? Don't say Michael Carter. <laughs> Come on, <Tom. laughs> well, Matt knows. You know, you want to. You know, Matt knows I love Michael Carter. <laughs> yeah. I think before this weekend, you probably could have looked at getting from Gaskin up to the likes of somebody like Chris Carson or maybe even Josh Jacobs, and you know it wouldn't have absolutely killed you to put that deal together. Those running backs who fall into the kind of running back dead zone. But now, I mean, unless some of your league mates aren't paying attention, I'm not sure you're going to get what you <laughs> deem to be a fair value. So I think you'd have to go down the route of what Matt said and wait for a week where Miami completely favour Gaskin and sell high as much as you can after him, really. I mean, yeah, I'd be looking at, in startup ADP, I'd be looking at the likes of, you know, Michael Carter. Yes, Mike, no, yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think James Robinson's someone who I, I I'm sneaky high on for this year as well. Like I think he's going to come in and do a lot of goal line work at the weekend. He went out on third down and then came back in for a fourth down, fourth and one. And it just I think James Robinson, if I had to bet, will have a better season than Miles Gaskin. Oof, spicy! I'm glad. Finished on Robinson and not Carter there. <laughs> yeah, we can edit that bit out. Who's on the edit? Me? Oh, Matt's on the edit. Oh, He's staying in. Right, I think we better quickly move on to uh, wide, re- wide receiver position. So, Tom, who's your pick here? It's Brian Edwards. And, I mean, I don't have any Brian Edwards, so it's an easy one for me to say, just get rid of. But, I mean, last year's Raiders, I think kind of surprised a lot of people. They were sneaky efficient and they were good for fantasy. And I think a lot of people were pleasantly surprised by Derek Carr and, you know, everyone was kind of feeling a bit better about him towards the end of the season. But I'm just not here for any of the options outside Darren Waller. Since Darren Waller left the Ravens practice squad and joined the Raiders, it's just Derek Carr hasn't managed to support a top 30 wide receiver. That first year the Waller was there, Tyrell Williams finished as wide receiver 47. And that was a season where a lot of people picked him up from the waiver wire and thought he was having some good fantasy output. Same year, Hunter Renfro finished wide receiver 54. Last year, Aguilar finished wide receiver 34. Renfro finished wide receiver 60. And Ruggs was even further behind that. Even if you quantify it as points per game, Aguilar finished 21st in 2020, but no other receiver in those two years has finished above wide receiver 44. The O-line's taken a step back this year after losing several pieces, and it's just not hard to imagine the Raiders taking another step back. And 
I just can't see how anyone outside Darren Waller is going to be fantasy relevant again. I mean, John Gruden's doing his best to hype him up, comparing him to multiple, multiple Hall, of Fra- Hall of Fame receivers. And there's still Brian Edwards' truthers out there. So if you can take advantage of these camp reports and get anything for him or make a sideways move onto another receiver with a slightly better offense, then I'd be doing that all day. Yeah, I've mentioned before that I'm I'm not giving up on, on Edwards or Ruggs after the disappointing rookie seasons. I think it's still a little bit too early maybe to, to bail on them. I did quite like Edwards as a, as a prospect. Um, the, the wide receiver room is wide open for the Raiders, but like you mentioned, the big question is just how viable is that wide receiver one position behind somebody like Darren Waller in, in a bottom half pass volume offense in, in 2020. Like you mentioned, that the hype's starting to build with the few highlight reel clips that are coming out of camp. And if somebody wants to buy buy him based on, on that hype, then I'm, I'm happy to sell. Um, definitely agree with your approach of, of trading for a wide receiver on a, on a better offense. Uh, you can probably move for moving for a guy like De'Ami Brown or maybe Kev's favorite wide receiver, Mikael Hardman. Um, they're, they're guys that, that, that can give you those those boom winks. So, yeah, maybe take advantage of, of that hype and, and move on to, to some guys on a better offense. Mikael Hardman, don't call me the grill. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, Tom, I can see why you like Waller, why you love Waller with him having those loose Ravens ties. But uh, completely agree, he's definitely in the tight end two combo in all formats. Clear standout wide receiver one on this offense, actually. But I still believe this offense can support uh, more than Waller, uh, in particular, another wide receiver. Like you said, the O line's been monstered, the defense ain't much better. Um, Derek Kyle was QE 14 in pass attempts in 2020, and I'm confident this can rise again in 2021 with them playing from behind um, more often than they did last season. Uh, and, and I'm going to bet on the best wide receiver profile from this team to emerge. Um, I've got plenty of Edwards in best bowlers offseason, but I've only got one share of him in Dynasty, which is pretty gutting. Um, but because of how I view him, I was offered a second and a third for him, and I declined it, which... Uh, it's a, it's a more than a fair offer for a guy that's done nothing in the NFL, but I just think with that team being a contender, there's not many second-round picks with what I consider the same upside as Edwards if, if he does hit, um, obviously being touted as a future Hall of Famer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a leap of faith after that injury hit rookie season, but I love this college breakout, I love this production, and at the cost of wide receiver 60, I'm very happy with that. I, I truly believe he has a ceiling to emerge and hit. So Edwards for me is a lottery ticket that I'm willing to keep on this one. Yeah, I, I just can't believe you're not buying the hype, Tom. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I do actually have a, a few shares of Edwards myself. Um, I'm not overly concerned about him just yet. Uh, I think the draft cost wasn't that high round two and three. Um him and Henry Ruggs, they obviously both struggle in this offense that seems to bury anyone other than Darren Waller. You got put John Gruden, he's a personal hero of mine for mastermind in the, the Buccaneers first Super Bowl. But mm. <laughs> <laughs> love it. <laughs> Honestly, he's he's lost his his touch these days. Um the team for me has got no identity. Um but for me, I have to believe that at least at least one of these second round Second year hyped up wide receivers has a decent year. So whether it's Edwards or Ruggs, I'm just not quite sure right now. But Edwards is certainly getting the the recent hype, the, the videos, reports of him balling out of training camp and playing ahead of the likes of the new sign-in, John Brown, that's getting people excited. 
Um, so I'm not leaping to sell Edwards just yet. I've still got hope of him increasing his value, but this is definitely a big year for him. Um, if he doesn't show much improvement in 2021, then he'll he'll quickly become an afterthought. Um, so for me, I'm still happy to take him late in drafts and and stash him just for now. Um, so I'm going to ask you a question, Tom, but I think I know the answer to it already. So while Brian Edwards is a big avoid for you, is there anybody on this offense that you are interested in, but you can't say Darren Waller? <laughs> I just think, I mean, you know, I laid it out for you guys. There's, there's, Derek Carr can't support anyone. The management are terrible. Like, I know John Gruden, you know, back in the day did stuff for Buccaneers, but like, they don't understand how to use the players they get. They get mm-hmm. players like Henry Ruggs, then try to use them in wrong situations. And it's just, it's not an offense that I want any part of. The only shares of Josh Jacobs I've got have come when he started slipping into the fourth and fifth rounds in redrafts. And that's the only time I'd be taking anyone outside of Waller. Even even my other former Raven, John Brown, it just doesn't <laughs> sound very positive for him. Sounds like he's <laughs> he's truly smoked now. Wee. <laughs> Smokey Brown. And Kev still manages to ma- manipulate him to get dad jokes out of him. Jeez. Love it. Unbelievable. Um all right, we'll move on to uh, the tight end position. So, Tom, who are you selecting here? Okay, so the tight end that I've got for you is Mike Gesicki, and I know it might feel like I'm piling on the Dolphins a bit, <laughs> the second of their players that I've chosen. But I actually really like the Dolphins for this year. I think, you know, Tua should have a pretty good year, and I really like the wide receivers. But Gesicki's price just doesn't add up for me to what I'd be willing to pay. I mean, he's going too high in traditional best ball drafts this season, where his price has been anywhere between a seventh and a tenth round pick. And personally, for me, he'd need to be in about the 12th or 13th before I'd consider it. He did seem to have a really good rapport with Tua last season, but it, it just felt like he was the only pass-catching option there at times. You know, everyone was getting injured. They brought in Fuller as well as Waddle and, you know, Waddle came out of college with as probably one of the best slot receivers we've seen in a while. Last year, Gasicki had played the third highest total of the position for a player seeing snaps wide or from the slot at 84%. And of that 84%, 67 were from the slot. I think sometimes what we want from a tight end is to be able to play in line as well as in the slot. So we know that it'll keep him on the field because occasionally they'll do more blocking. And that's just not something we see from him in particular. So with Parker, Waddle, Fuller, I just don't think the opportunity is going to be there for him to get on the field as heavily as last year. And I don't think he'll get the targets and opportunities as well. I mean, I think if you can get a good offer for him now, it might be easier to get out now before several months down the line when his value's decreased and he's looking at maybe going into free agency. Yeah, we've had a rough, rough 10, 15 minutes, Tom, but I'm fully on board with this dynasty cell. Um, Gasicki <laughs> just fall into that tight end dead zone, uh, which it basically means he's a low probability to hit relative to his cost. Um, I know this is a similar area to Evan Ingram, who's someone that um, I do like, but I don't think Gasicki's got that uh, Evan Ingram top five dynasty upside. I think Gasicki has had a fine start to his career uh, in terms of fantasy. He's had two low end tight end one finishes in three seasons. But you've just got to remember that tight end 10 is not going to win you a ship unless the rest of your roster is absolutely loaded. I think you made some great points about the slot usage and the competition is now got. And it's also worth mentioning that there's no 
no more Chan Gailey who utilised our spread system, which allowed Gasicki to take one of two slot positions. It's not going to be uh, that much opportunity to do that anymore. He's been terribly inefficient as a tight end as well, and he's been he's going to be losing volume in 2021. So that's a recipe to fade in all formats in my eyes. I think prospect-wise, I'm not totally out on him. He's only 25, and he has flashed a little bit. He's had two tight end one seasons in three years, so he's, he's not terrible. But if I can get Gerald Everett or Tyler Higby plus, I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Jasicki, um, he really hurt me uh, last season. I took him quite a lot in, in redraft leagues. And actually, he did actually finish as tight end seven, but it certainly feels like he wasn't nowhere near as good as that. He, he certainly wasn't a reliable starter. He saw double-digit targets in, in three games, but the rest were very up and down and mostly down. So three games, he only had one reception. Two further games, he had just two catches. And there were seven games with single digits, so that equals pain. Um so for me, it's a great selection. Uh, he absolutely falls into that tight end wasteland area. His ADP is the ninth round, so around the likes of Robbie Anderson, Brandon Cooks, and our very own Terrace. Get on the Terrace, Marshall. Get on the so, Terrace. So for me, there's just no value. Um, and then Miami added more weapons for Tua to take the next step this season. So I can just see Jasicki's role being even smaller going forward, obviously barring injuries. Um, so therefore, I'd rather take a punt on on a later tight end uh, with more upside. Someone like Irv Smith. Um, I know Matt's going to agree with that one. <laughs> and <laughs> and Johnu Smith. All the Smiths. Yeah. I'd rather have them over <laughs> over Jasicki. No, yeah, good one to end on this time because I definitely agree with you with, with this selection. Gasicki is somebody I've been looking to offload in in a lot of leagues that I do have him. And I think you, you hit the the main point with the the fact that Gasicki's slot usage. I think that's going to be massively affected this season um we know that that usually correlates to strong fantasy production when when those tight ends do get those slot those slot snaps but like you mentioned with the arrival of waddle i just can't see that percentage being anywhere near what it was last season uh waddle he played 68.1 percent of his snaps in the in the slot from alabama so you've got to feel that he's gonna he's gonna slide his way into that slot position uh gasicki was basically the only pass catching weapon last for a large part of last season with the injuries to Parker and, and Preston Williams. So yeah, I just I just can't see any way that he's, he's going to live up to that ADP. I do agree with you. I think Tua is going to take a step forward in 2021. But with the additions that we've just mentioned, I just I can't see because he could be one of the guys that, that benefits from that. Um so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm probably selling off the back of that that tight end seven finish last off season. Um, so I'm going to assume that you're fading Gazicki based more on the situation rather than talent, Tom. Um, if the Dolphins decide not to extend Gazicki's contract after this season, is there a landing spot where you'd potentially get back in on, on Gazicki? Yeah, I think if if you could get get him to the Colts, I mean, I don't want to upset the Mo Ali Cox troopers, but... <laughs> you know, Ali? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Ali Cox, he's, he's got one more year, really, doesn't he? I mean, how many times have we been waiting for it? But the Colts have really been crying out for a good tight end for a little while now. And the Colts don't tend to make big, splashy free agency signings. But if he could land there, I think that potentially would be a good situation for him. No, love it. I think that's the, the popular landing I spot am. in it for tight ends. Yeah. yeah, agreed. Well, not quite for me, but yeah, I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we had a rough, rough middle patch there, but you certainly brought it back <laughs> with your tight end selection. <laughs> so, so with that, we're going to move on to our wildcard selection. So, 
it's where we get our guests to pick one player that they believe uh, their fantasy is going to be the fantasy wildcard. So a player that will improve their dynasty value the most in 2021. So who was your selection, Tom? So I've gone with Darrington Evans. (laughs) 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 Peter King referred to Darrington Evans as Tennessee's answer, Alvin Kamara, not long ago. And I'm not a particularly big Peter King fan, but if he keeps, if that comes to fruition, then I'm all for it. I think, you know, he's yet to really do a whole lot of anything in this league. But we've got to hit a point eventually where Derek Henry's legs start to go on him or as a as a team they decide to just ease off slightly on his usage. Their schedule's really soft to open the season with games against the Cardinals, Seahawks, Colts, possibly without Wentz, and then Jets and Jaguars. So I think, you know, enough of those games aren't going to be tough run opposition games but it wouldn't be crazy to see him out there and Derek Henry getting rested a little bit even if it's just coming in now and again to give Derek Henry a couple of plays off and if early on in the season we see Todd Downing the new OC in Tennessee just using Evans just slightly different then I fully believe it'll be wheels up and we really see his value jump before the Titans have a decision to make on the potential out for Derek Henry this off season and all of that is not mentioning that Derrick Henry, if he finally does succumb to an injury, then you've got a hugely valuable running back on your roster. Yeah, well, I know Kev's going to be absolutely ecstatic with this selection, with uh, with him selecting him as his, his running back sleeper for this season. Um, but yeah, it's definitely definitely an interesting selection when we're talking about the wild card selection. Um, given his ADP of on DLF as RB fifty five, you've definitely picked somebody that's got plenty of room for growth and can definitely be a winner in in terms of a, a wild card pick. But yeah, we know we know Derek Henry is the lead guy in this backfield. But like you mentioned, with the OC changes to Todd Downing from from Arthur Smith, we don't really know what that usage is going to look like next season. I did like Evans as a prospect, given his, his versatility. Um, I think he's, he's definitely a, a leading candidate, to, a candidate to take the, the pass catching role in this in this backfield. Um, and like you mentioned, if anything were to happen to Derek Henry, then he's in line for an increased role and, and a nice bump in value. So hypothetical question for you, Tom. If anything were to happen to Henry this season, would you look to sell Evans based on that, that bump in value? Or would you be holding him in the belief that it can become an important part of this, this offence even when Henry does return? I think you've got to take that decision based on your roster, don't you? I mean, if you're a contender, you definitely want to hold on to him and see whether... You can win you that championship this year, but if you're in a team where you've got problems across the roster and yeah, it might be a case of selling him now might really be as good a value as you're going to get in the next year or so for him anyway. Yeah, no, fair point. Yes, Tom, love this selection of Darrington Evans for all reasons mentioned before. Um, you definitely are back on the show after that selection. Thank you for that. Um, obviously, because I... I need to talk about Miles Boykin at some point. <laughs> <laughs> James Brochet. <Yeah. laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, big fan of Derek Evans. He was my, my sleeper pick at running back. Um, not quite on the same page as Peter King uh, with the Alvin Kamara comp. Uh, I think Peter King's a bit of a doyle, but um, I, I can I can definitely see um, the Henry breakdown coming Um I can see it going one of two ways, actually. They try and keep him fresh for that late-season push. 
Uh, let's not forget that Baltimore held him to 40 yards in the playoffs. Was that because it was a 2,000-yard season? Potentially it was overused, but let's let's not be too harsh. Baltimore's run D was top six unit in 2020. I mean, Kev, you didn't even get a single first down in that game. He's washed. <laughs> <laughs> I think his longest run was like eight yards, which yeah. considering some of the blockbustering runs that he made last season, um, absolutely owned him that game, which... I'm sure uh, was delightful for you, Tom. Um, <laughs> if you don't know, uh, he is a Ravens fan. Really? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, then, uh, just back to Emily, I think the other way it goes is worst case, where his usage is as normal. He's trying to go for the record again with the extra uh, 17th game, but he, he suffers a major injury. And personally, I think if he has a major injury at that size and that age, I think he's done. Um, I think either way, there is a pathway for Evans to be relevant um whether it be sprinkled in or taking on a bigger role i think his main competition is brian hill who couldn't shine against the corpse of uh, todd gilly in atlanta last season um really liked evans as well coming out in 2019 he had that third round draft capital which is solid and i do think he has that potential to be a one beat pass down back that gives you a little bit extra um thinking similar to a guy like tedman's uh, someone that's not going to be a lead back but can uh, definitely shine in that role um with Evans, with his dynasty AP being so low, there is plenty of room for him to grow. So on that base, I think this wildcard selection is fantastic. The fact that he has got a lot of room to grow, it's it's better than taking a wide receiver 30 or something because there's not a lot of room for them to grow. Whereas you've took Evans, who I think Matt said he was running about 55, which yeah. that is that is a wildcard selection in my eyes. So I just want to know, Tom, what, what do you see as Evans' ceiling in dynasty? Is it crazy to think... He could have a down ceiling like Chase Edmonds, top 25-30 right now. Yeah, I think, I mean, pass-catching running backs always seem to just get that little bit of escalation a little bit further up than sometimes they necessarily deserve. But, you know, if we're talking about somebody like Chase Edmonds, yeah, definitely I could see a good season for Darrington Evans catching a decent amount of balls and touchdowns, Derek Henry's usage being brought back a little. I could see next season people drafting him around that position. Yeah, and if there's any nerds out there like looking at playerprofile.com like me, um, open up two tabs, type Darren Evans into one, Chase Ebbs into another. Have a look. You'll be surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, when I saw the name Darren Evans on the show sheet, I just thought to myself... God's sake, Tom, how much has Kev paid you to select Evans? <laughs> Honestly, though, it's, it's not the worst pick that we've had, and I can certainly see why you've chosen him. Um, we all think that Henry's getting to the age where he's going to fall off that production cliff. Um, I, I think if the Titans feel that they're moving on, then Evans certainly receives a, a bump in value, no doubt about that. Um, at this point, at this point, though, I think we've seen that Henry is a guy that doesn't ever seem to get injured. He's only missed two games in his five seasons so far. Um, but maybe with a 17-game season, maybe they manage him a little bit more. Um, maybe with the new OC, they're going to mix it up and give Evans a bigger role, possibly. Um, I certainly did like Evans as a prospect, and I've got a couple of shares of him in Dynasty. So if I was to see a, a sell-high window, uh, then I'll certainly be taking it. Um, so for me, it's a really solid pick. Um someone who's certainly nice and cheap now at runner back 55 and whose value I can definitely see rising if given the opportunity. So good pick. Yes. 
And and with that, that, that brings us to the end of the show um, where we've discussed Dynasty best ball and the players that Tom is either targeting or avoiding in this format. Um, so just before you go, Tom, uh, please let the audience know where they can find you and is there anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, I mean, you can find me on Twitter at BestBallUKNFL or you can find my website, which is NFLBestBall.co.uk. Put out a lot of stuff on there about best ball content in general all across the board, whether it's like basics of best ball through a stacking step strategy. I also do a lot of work with ADP across stacking charts, showing which teams are the hardest to stack. And there's a lot of updates on there as well as links to leagues for our commission myself um but yeah always happy to talk best ball and always happy to throw my two cents on dynasty so happy to answer any questions anyone has yeah i know personally your stacking sheets and adp data has certainly been vital for me this uh this redraft and uh the yeah the redraft season so um so just with you guys is there any final thoughts from today's show i'll come to you first matt yeah, it would be great to get Tom on and, and get his views on Dynasty Best Ball. I think it's definitely going to be a format that becomes popular sooner rather than later, like Tom mentioned at the start. The fact that you don't have to worry about setting your lineups, you ain't got to make those tough decisions. You can just sit back and and let your, your optimum players slot into the into the lineup. Uh, you can reap the rewards, like Tom mentioned as well, when you when you select those late dark throws and, and they have those boom weeks. You ain't got to think, oh, no, they're blowing up on my bench because they're having a good week they're, they're in your lineup so yeah i think it's it's going to be a really popular format soon um i just want to say a massive thanks to, to, to tom coming on as well um i obviously love all the work you do tom those stack charts i think they're they're absolutely essential i know i've used them in in all those drafts that you just mentioned that you set up tom i'm, I'm always in there with you and and yeah i'm using your using your data to, to try and beat you so yeah it's great i definitely i definitely <laughs> recommend definitely recommend anybody that they need to check out the the stack charts because they are brilliant and we appreciate obviously the support that you give us tom and and yeah it's just great to, to finally have you on and, and chat with you Cheers, yeah, it's, it's been a pleasure having you on, Tom. We've had a lot of fun today. I know I've had, I've had plenty of laughs. I hope you did too. Um, I appreciate the wildcard selection of Evans. To do it for free was a nice touch as well. Um, it's been a great show. I mean, we've touched upon Dynasty Best Ball. It's definitely a format that I'm going to be all in on next off-season. And I think it's ideal for anybody that's looking to increase the number of Dynasty Leagues but hate that process of setting lineups. Think of it as something that's low maintenance and high reward if you're going for that portfolio approach as such um all you do is draft you've got your minor tweaks your waivers your trades uh, and then you just sit back and watch your squads smash it so uh, do make sure you follow tom make sure you check out his website as as i mentioned at the start and just now and also if you have any interest in best ball it's an essential resource that you need to be checking on and getting involved having a look at and um, I'll make a request for for next season, Tom. Uh, if you could do some dynasty best ball stack sheets, that'd be fantastic. To help me. <laughs> it's 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 coming. It's, yeah, it'll be there next year. I, I certainly think that we need to start a wild card dynasty best ball league. I'm I'm definitely dying to get into one right now. Um, <laughs> yes, certainly. Me looking at it from an owner of twenty dynasty leagues, that would certainly free up a lot of my time, especially on a on a Sunday morning. Um, I also think that the, the dynasty best ball format it keeps the bottom half of drafts interesting. So sometimes I, f- I can find them rather boring, and I don't give them much focus. But in in best ball, you're always looking for a guy with with massive upside, so he could have a big week and help you out. 
Um, and the best part is you, you don't have to take the risk of of playing him and slotting him into your lineup. So that really helps. Um, and then just on the show, so there's some really solid picks in there, Tom, especially when you lead with Trey Lance. That's always going to be a winner in my eyes. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> thanks for coming on and, and keep up the great work that you do. Um, I think you're honestly leading a, a big movement towards best ball. And just like the Trey Lance hype train, I'm definitely jumping on board. So, oh, that's lovely. <laughs> Cheers, guys. It's been a lot of fun. So, thanks for tuning in. Um, be sure to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Wildcard. And be sure to listen to our next show next Tuesday, the 24th of August, where we'll be analysing ambiguous, so muddy situations in Dynasty right now. So, thank you once again and have a good one. And we'll see you again soon. When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game.